What is up, you guys? Welcome to the Life Like a Movie podcast. Today's guest is Patrick Ehlers. Now, he teaches something very interesting. It's how to eat intuitively and think intuitively, and really just how to make decisions intuitively. This is something that interested me because I've often prided uh, myself in thinking intuitively and making decisions, you know, on a, on a whim, you could call it, or in split seconds. And so I think there's something powerful thinking intuitively, but Patrick takes it to a whole other level in this episode. Without further ado, let's dive into Patrick's wisdom. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's nice. Yeah, it looks comfortable too. Uh, so uh, I, I appreciate you taking, taking your time to chat with me. I enjoyed our, our little conversation before. I remember when we were talking, um, you just seemed so, like, pieced out. You seemed so um, at rest and at ease with kind of what was going on in your situation. And I thought that was really nice. You know, um, it calmed me down <laughs> right away. And, um, yeah, no, so it just, it's super, super nice, man, to, to get a chance to talk with you and to talk about intuition and peace and, and things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. Well, very nice. Thank you, too. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so to get started, I'm just curious a little bit about your um, kind of curious about your story, man. Like, how did you get to where you are? I, we, we all seem to have our own little path of of how we got to into this realm, let's just call it. So what was your path to intuition practice and teaching and and this whole environment? And, and what is it specifically that you do? So uh, I was always interested in um, the holistic living itself but maybe I go a little um, further on so a couple of years ago I had a time where I didn't feel that much joy I didn't feel very peaceful mm-hmm. I felt very over- overwhelmed with my mind it was oh, a time yeah. where I just came back um, out of a relationship using a lot of drugs and alcohol Yes, and yes. this at that time I also experienced a lot of panic attacks so okay. when it comes to the point how specifically or when was the changing point it was on one specific day and at that day I had a very intensive panic attack and I was staying in Mallorca with my, my, my friend Stefan's house it was in 2014 and normally I would run very quickly up the so the panic attack would ease or it would do like push-ups or whatever Something. so okay. it would go away and it didn't so I asked Stefan to bring me to the hospital and he said okay but really let's go first and have a walk and see if it gets better so that was what we did we went okay. to the port of Mallorca we're walking there and after a couple of minutes he got a call from his dad and at that time, I was a little eccentric. So when a person wouldn't give attention to me, I would get very upset and angry. And together with the panic attack, it also increased. And at that week, where I had some other stuff happening, like I had thoughts like I wasn't worth of living because I, I broke up the relationship and I was married and I promised in, in the, like, to be in good and in bad times there. One of my friends, she were, um, she took her life away and she called me before and I didn't really act um, because I, I, I wasn't there for her. So I judged myself a lot for not being, being present with her. And that intensified this feeling of pressure, of not um, feeling fine. And it, um, it's a very, it was very moving for me. Mm-hmm. So then 
when I had all those um, thoughts and when I had this panic attack stuff and was walking there with me, he uh, had this call with his dad and he said, just two minutes. And it took more than two minutes, took like maybe 30 minutes. And I got very upset and angry with him. And I started to feel that my breath was getting short. I was getting this numbness again, the panic attack. Yes. And then... I had an inner, like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I said, <laughs> yeah. just fuck you, I will go. And then oh. I, I wanted to cross the street and walk home because he was there still stay, uh, talking with his dad and he didn't give me attention and he wasn't present with me and his dad was more important than me was what I thought at that moment. Yes, yes. And I wanted to cross the street. There were, like, zebra um, um, crossing and there was a... Uh, the cars were crossing and I waited um, to cross because in Spain they don't just stop like for example in Germany and there was this lantern and I started to hold on that lantern and I got an uh, electric something like an electric shock that entered in my fingers oh yeah yeah you mentioned that to me and um, in the moment that it um, entered in my finger it was like I was entering in the lantern <laughs> So um, I had this feeling of of aliveness everywhere in my body. Mm. And also I was looking, it was like I was looking at me from the bulb of the, the lantern, lantern down at me. And then it expanded. There were like some inner questions of what I am, who I am, what I'm thinking. And it really exploded. It It was very quiet. Mm. Yeah. And the thoughts that I had at that moment were very pure and clear. So it was the first time mm -hmm. that I saw, for example, in that moment that it wasn't Stefan not giving me attention. It was Stefan being on the phone with his dad. And um, it wasn't me... Uh, um, being what I thought I am, but it was more on a part of exp uh, of of what I'm experiencing. So it's um, I, I see very connected to everything. It it felt like I could, for the first time in the, in my life, like today I would maybe describe it that, that way, take on the shoes of whatever is around me. Interesting. You uh, wow. So you yeah. felt this feeling of connectedness so much that you could put yourself in the shoes of the things that were around you. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. Like also in the like even in the noise um, that was around because there were like children, it was very loud, and the cars, like all the things that in that moment were disgusting me. It's so loud. It's so noisy. No one is there. I will die. Um, yeah. All that things. So I could even have in what I feel now is having. Understanding the thoughts and understanding what is what um, what I feel, what um, what others were were feeling, yeah. And at that moment, woke me up in a. I felt reborn. Um, I was, yes, I felt reborn. You felt reborn, and it was all because you touched that lamp, that that lantern. And did you did you get some sort of shock? Like, did you feel like a oh, like a kind of like a buzz in your finger or something? Yes, it was like it. It really felt like it was uh, this. The when the electricity was entering my finger, I was entering the lantern. 
That is incredible. It was like, yeah, <laughs> that is so fascinating that one little moment of touching a lantern can completely change your life. You said that was the one day that changed your life, right? That was like, if you had to boil it down to one day, that was it, right? So yeah, that that was the day where it like started up and where it really changed. It changed everything for me, for my family. Also, it changed yeah. a lot for my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Fair enough. And so, um, so what happened after this case? So you have this realization. What was your journey like after? Like, what did you start diving into? Like, what kind of spiritual books did you start reading? What kind, you know what I mean? Like, what did you start to do now that you've had this realization and awakening, we could even maybe call it? What did you start to do after that? What was your path after that? I so for the first weeks I wasn't really consuming any media or any books or any mm. any YouTube. I was very um, present with my friends and with my family, like at the travels that I had. Yes. And for the first time, on um, taking the shoes on from their side and understanding them. And Interesting. Um, in the con like the f the first um, book that got that I got recommended in in the conversation that was actually um, from my mom. When I came back home and she saw, um, they saw that I was a little different, a big difference for for them also. Uh, yes. She gave me a book that was from my brother. He had um, he had in one of his bookshelves. Yes. And it was from. Uh, um, uh it was a collection of different uh, of different poems from different uh german um how do mm. you call them poet poet poets, poets yes yeah uh, poets yes poets um poets and there were some poets inside from uh, um I, I i think there were more like text text um parts from the tao Mm, then yes, from yes. the Sufis, um, from Rumi. So like this, it started when I started to read it. It was very similar to what I had. Or it felt very similar to what I had experienced. And after that, I re really didn't read a lot of books. The first book I started then to read was in 2016. And it was The World's Wisdom by Philip, I think Philip Novak. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm not sure of that book, but yeah. Okay. So you, you kind of went on like a, you know, it's kind of interesting that you didn't necessarily go like deeper into necessarily knowledge through book form. Mm -hmm. I find it so fascinating that after this awakening you had that what you did was put yourself in the shoes of others. I, I continuously hear that sentiment and it, it's, it seems to be quite the process of actually being able to experience somebody else's experience. So I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to, is, is, is this kind of like what brought you to teach intuition is being able to put yourself so well in the shoes of other to be very in tuned and connected. And is it, is that kind of what connects you to wanting to teach intuition? I'm just trying to connect the dots a little bit here. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the word that I would describe um, when I would when I would first recognize of how I would be feeling would be uh, intuition. For example, whenever someone um, would speak with me and I would I would see that I have a that I would bring a thought where they would really suffer and I would feel it really bad or even like a physiological 
um, experience, I would um, see that intuition is a um, uh, is the inner guide, and yeah. it is the inner guide to joy. So mm. where I come from and where I, I grew up, people would say, when I have a bad gut feeling, that's my intuition. But for me, what I had um, experienced in the way that I w had labeled intuition after that was intuition is a guide to uh, a joyful life. Yes. So uh, a life that gives me uh, peace. <laughs> Life it gives you peace, and yeah. So the, um, that, that that led me also to the to, to what I um today call then the teaching of intuition. Yes. Okay. I want to dive into that in in just a second. I wouldn't mind first getting a little bit of a definition of intuition, just so somebody listening might be able to say, "Oh yeah, that's what that is." You know, because I feel like we we get these these signals from our gut or from our heart. I'm not. I'm not sure where they come from. We can go into that after, but mm -hmm. I've seen these signals before personally. And it's like, like we, we get this feeling of like what we should do. And it's like an instant and it comes, but then like, how do we, how can we recognize that in the moment? And like, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a definition of what intuition feels like and how we can maybe recognize it in ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so intuition for me is the, the, the guide that's, gives me the the freedom to choose out of the current situation i see okay freedom and for choice. like um it is a choice that whatever happens won't imprison the mind so whatever i do if it doesn't come out like i would have wished it to be it's okay Yes. Okay. So intuition is kind of like the, the freedom from your mind. Is that what you would say? It, it isn't really cognitive. Yes. So it's the, the opposite of cognitive is actually then intuitive. So it's a movement and a choice, which mm. for me beholds always the presence and the freedom of not being sad or overly excited when uh, with whatever happens after. Okay, I think I'm starting to get it a little bit. So um, as an example, maybe like I'm really feeling the need for connection and love, let's just say. That's a need that I feel like I have. But my method of getting that might be spending time with people that don't really make me feel good, but I'm at least with people and so I feel connected. But my intuition, my gut might be saying, you know, walk away and go for a, a walk down the beach instead as opposed to going and hanging out with these people that don't fill me up so I can get love and connection with the universe or with myself. Like, so basically like our intuition is the guide to joy, like you're saying. So it, it kind of shows us the path of what we need in that moment. Is that, is that fair? Like it, it's the guide to joy in that moment. It, it definitely is. For example, it can be the guide to joy whenever I'm with someone that is n not filling me up and I would even um, take a little weight away of someone else is not um, filling me up um, and uh, give it the f uh, this freedom of, yes, it's okay that the other person is not filling me up. Mm, so um, yes. there, there is, um, it's, it's very free. 
I see. For example, when I'm staying with someone and I would recognize um, what can I do now? So if I understood correctly, for example, I have two choices. I can have a walk or I can stay with the, with, with someone or in a okay. situation that's not filling me up. Yes. Um, then I could use the cognitive mind that's actually locking up intuition also to open it up because the door that closes it also can open it up. And then I could see if it's really not filling me up or if it's my mind that's taking my cellular nutrition away. So, but this mm. could be really, um, it's really a recognition of whatever is, is okay. And I have the freedom to change. So first of all, have this freedom for the thoughts to uh, not make me believe that the people around me are taking something away from me or are giving me too much or are not filling me up. Mm -hmm. And the same in the walk, for example, I can have a walk and then it can start to rain and I can say it's not filling me up or it's not, uh, I'm, that's terrible, I'm getting wet. It's the recognition really of the moment as it is without the story of what I think that it is. I see, I see. Hmm. It's, it's very interesting that you that you mentioned that, especially the part that, that stuck out to me the most was the cognitive mind closes intuition, it locks intuition, but it's the same key. And so it can actually open up intuition as well. Hmm. So what does that process look like? Like, could you give me an example of how the cognitive mind could close intuition and an, also an example of how the cognitive mind can open up our intuition? As soon as I uh, look at you and <laughs> I uh, I see you uh, with, I, I can look at you and just look at you and see you. Yes. And I can recall your name is Brad. I can uh, recall your, your passions. I can recall what you may like, what you don't like. Okay. As soon as I don't have a... a a, a, an open heart or open mind to be curious if it's really that way. I mm. think that's the moment when when it gets locked down. So, for example, when I know you like a uh, you like black t-shirts. Yes. And I think you are um, Brad that likes black t-shirts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and because of that, I uh, uh, would always think you are the one that's wearing the black t-shirt. I see. When, okay. for example, you are having one favorite meal, I think that you are that favorite meal. I think that I you see. are um, that um, we are having one time an argument. And I think that you will repeatedly, you, you are that person. So instead of giving um, um, you or an object or whatever the freedom to be whatever it wants to be, I label it with what it is. So that's the moment that the, the intuitive mind maybe is a little hidden. So whenever I believe something about you, then it is um, clouded right. a little. Yes, it, it can't actually, sorry, go ahead. It, it can't? No, 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 no. Um, okay, I, I was going to say that um, it can't actually be true, like truth, as it is truth, if you, if it comes from the mind, because by nature, perspective is limited, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a part of seeing 
it from one side of the mountain. No? It's, it's set like that. So yes, you can yes, see yes. only one side of the mountain. But when I just look at you, there, then you are there. There's no, it's just, that's no it. story. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I understand. Yeah. You know, that's very nice. Um, interesting. Yes. I, I, being open, I'm, I'm kind of happy that you mentioned that. Um, there is um, a great book by Byron Katie called A Mind at Home with Itself. And she has a really good quote in there. It was like, the mind can only be questioned and met with love and understanding. That, that's all you can do with the mind. And I think that you're bringing up this point a little bit that you to try and control or to try and close off and believe fully a label about someone or something or some object, it closes off the mind. But if we if we stay open and we question it, and questioning it keeps it open, right? Mm-hmm. She says every good um, every good line ends with a question mark. That that's that's wonderful, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and so it keeps it open. And um, yeah, I just I love that you brought that up because I I know I'm guilty of kind of closing things off and labeling things, and so um, it's kind of a nice reminder and hopefully for somebody listening to, to just to, to reconsider maybe to to think, oh, maybe there is another way, or maybe that isn't how it is. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of glad you brought that up. So I just wanted to uh, appreciate that that sentiment. Thanks. So um, uh, I'm curious, so like, what kind of exercises could one do to become more intuitive? I think that, I mean, there's probably some meditations that might be able to do this naturally, but I'm kind of curious as to the ones that you practice, um, if any. So my my favorite is really just looking so whoever i meet or whatever object i meet when it's a human to look in the eyes and really go into that space before the thought arises and that practice already gives um, me so much freedom of having the recognition when i think i know what you are and then i can just look and see what you really are, which is unlabeled. It's very full of space. Another practice that is, is I like a lot is listening with taking away what I think that the, the, um, the partner of the conversation is saying. So whatever I hear, give myself the freedom to ask if it is that way that I understood it. Hmm. um, This is for me like this practice of taking on the shoes of the other as well in a very active mode. And the third one, which is a like very um, physiological in a sense is very old is fasting. So Hmm. taking uh, a fast of consumption which can be food and as well like uh, any kind of 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 eat eating things. <laughs> yes, yes. So how um, do you fast? Sorry. How often do you fast? Oh, it it really depends. It's I have a no, like my normal routine, which is mostly I have like this this intermittent fasting period. So this is, I try to practice a couple of days a week. It always switches and always changes. 
And from time to time I have, uh, when I want to reset my whole body and also go more into intuitive eating when I was traveling and coming back, then I do my, um, th this reset method where I really, first of all, I cleanse my body with uh, doing an intestinal cleanse and taking three days of fasting. And then I uh, start to introduce slowly again foods and see, uh, um, Having this, uh, getting a new relationship with food, getting a new relationship with thought, with experiences. As so much of how we uh, experience life can also be uh, determined by our microbiome. By uh, it, mm -hmm. it can be harder for some some people and easier for some people depending on how they how you eat and what you eat. That I wrote this little article on you think what you eat, which. When I did the research on it, I think it was really nice and to see how, for example, an inflammation in the body can cause the mind to get more inflamed as well, mm. which may then make it harder to be present in the body. So, mm. which, which I think can be a nice pointer towards what can be supportive, like on like the cream on top of the, the ice, but it isn't essential for being in peace wherever you are but it's just a little nice practice to really cleanse the body the the body gets still there's not a lot that all that work that it the body has to do so that's the the third practice that i really like that's lovely that's really lovely so so you do that every every week you you fast for a couple of days at a time or just a couple of days during the week you intermittent fast so you do like 16 hours 20 hours so this week, for example, I had um, 20 hours mostly and sometimes a little longer. And then from maybe in two or three weeks, it really depends on the body. Then I take a couple of, of days where I just consume water. Mm. And the other times, uh, the, the name of uh, the, the in intermittent fasting, I try to eat and focus on really when I'm hungry. So there's this, this um, I'm paraphrasing, so it may not be totally right. And also, I'm not sure from who it was. I read it once. Maybe it was Zen or the, the, the Tao. So it was like this. Mm. Um, when hungry, I eat. When thirsty, I drink. The fool loves and the wise understands. Mm. So it really gives me a, a little reminder of, am I eating, am I consuming, As a, am I thinking, because I really need it, because it's something that's really nurturing me, so it's like an, a, a questioning, or is it out of concern, I like this, because I'm just doing it out of a pattern, so mm. I, that's a, a, it's a really joyful practice, I really like that. <laughs> yes, that sounds really nice. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that I've talked to my viewers many times that I used to have an eating disorder when I was in high school. And so this is like a, a touchy subject for me specifically about food. So I, I'm just like super fascinated about intuitive eating. I think that's a fantastic strategy to overcome something like an eating disorder because it, it gets you very into it. And you're not just eating just to eat or for some desire of how a food might taste. You're eating it um, because you're, you feel like your body needs it. And you're listening to your body. And so I love that. 
Um, in your experience, have you found any foods in particular that have helped you with your, say, gut health or your cognitive fun functioning? Are there any foods that feel really good for you? Uh, yes. So there okay. are some. <laughs> um, it's so different. Like it really fa f fascinates me how it changes every day, how the body is so individual that one summer it's different than the other summer. Mm. Like one summer it can be that I, I, I really enjoyed a lot to eat very water rich uh, fruits and veggies. Maybe uh, th there's one day where I prefer to have um, foods that are more dense. It, it's, it's really different. So when I really listen to my body, I think there's not a fixed pattern. I just go to the supermarket and check what I really want to um, go into. Mm -hmm. What I found out when it comes to the, the cognitive health, there have, have been some foods, for example, like spirulina or blueberries or um, as well, uh, what I like a lot is um, cranberry juice, which I feel really supports me in being more uh, productive. Also, like green juices, like wheatgrass, it really gives the, me a little rush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. Uh, I think that helps us from time to time. Also, like a green tea or matcha, mm. it's good for focusing and being more present and getting things done in a very focused way. And it also works without them. Mm. <laughs> That's nice. Thank you for that. Um, I, I have heard good things about blueberries, some nuts and seeds, a lot of like dark chocolate, like an anti that has antioxidants to bring. Mm -hmm. I remember what it is, to bring oxygen to a brain and eliminate free radicals, I believe. Anyways, but um, yeah, I appreciate the um the little tip there. I I, I really want to. I've I've seen a, quite a few drinks that are like the wheatgrass drinks or the the some sort of green drink that I see all the time I just I never seem to get that when I go to the grocery store I usually just seem to get like the regular like fruit that I always get you know like apples and broccoli and like just kind of like the same things every time but I might try some new things you might have inspired me um yeah so thank you for that so the the last question I'd like to ask you today Pat Patrick is um what is what's the difference that you'd like to make uh with yourself and with the world giving uh, myself and with that everybody else the freedom to be however they want to be have the freedom to uh, inspire others when it comes to choices that I wouldn't consider within my values and speak them up mm. creating boundaries that connect us, mm -hmm. dissolving borders that close the heart, looking at each other without, not, uh, without knowing who the other is. Mm. I, I wish that we, we all... Uh, find joy and peace in whatever moment mm. 
And now there are coming some beautiful layers, delicious food, nice encounters with families, nurturing the the inner self, love, hug more. Mm. And be. Mm. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, guys, that's it. That's the episode. Thank you for tuning in as always. And I hope to see you guys next time with even more special guests. We're going to have somebody next week to talk about Lyme disease and her journey through it. So a uh, very special guest coming up. Thanks guys for watching. We'll see you next time.